We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports events and tournaments. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, so all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Health. He's the director for Esports Tournament NYC Tekken. He's also a Twitch streamer. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So to start, tell us a bit about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played and how did you transition to the business side of the industry? First game I played, that's, you know, that's a tough question. because I want to say, you know what? No, I know what the first game I played was. It was Jazz Jack Rapid on a CD demo that came with my mom's new computer. I played that game. I remember that game. Yep, but it was just the demo. It was a big, it was like 99 games demo disc. And you had to like and, do it through MS DOS, right? Well, it was Windows ninety five, but it ran DOS. So you, but it would launch DOS every time you ran one of these games. I played F F twenty two Rapture was one of my favorite ones on that thing, uh, which by the way is on Steam now for like five dollars. Go buy it; it's great. It's hard. It's very hard. Um, Jazz Jackrab was on it. The original Duke Nukem was on it. Um, and I I think that because they came with the computer to kind of like upsell you on like oh buy some games. And I think that list of games, and then my brother-in-law introduced me to online gaming because we had uh, he had it was called Multiplayer Battletech. It was one of the early MechWarrior properties, and it had and it was played over dial-up. It was it was a first-person MechWarrior game essentially. Graphics were ugh, not great, but the fact that you could play online like it was a whole new world to me. And I, you know, it was a slippery slope from there. Uh, fell into love with computers. Fell into love with gaming in general, consoles as well. Um, I mean, it eventually led me down my career path. I got a degree in software development. I originally, because I wanted to make video games, and I realized that was a very niche and rough market. So I went into more traditional software dev roles before going to project management. But the big, biggest moment for me, though, was I was big into arcades. Like, because at the time, where I grew up, I was born in 89. So I grew up in the 90s. Uh, the time, like, if you wanted, like, cutting edge graphics, you wanted, like, top level gameplay, you went to arcades. And, you know, we had a couple of back in, in Syracuse, New York, where I grew up before I moved to New York City um, years later. Uh, and that's, I think, where it started with like Lucky and Wild, Time Crisis, and eventually like fighting games. Tekken 3 and Tag 1 were big for me, um, which, as you can see, I continued with Tekken later down the road. But um, yeah, and really, I never looked to get into the business side. It wasn't like a conscious decision. It was like, I always had a love for this, but it was never something I did to pay the bills. Um, Tekken 7 came out in about 2017. 
And it was the first Tekken that was on PC. And me being the big PC gamer I was, was like, man, I played that game. I played Tekken 4 a lot growing up. And I want to see how much I remembered. Turns out not much applied anymore. It did a couple generations. And uh, so I started playing it and I started getting competitive again. And I started really wanting, I'm like, I want to get good at this game. I really enjoy playing Tekken. I've always enjoyed fighting games, but I really enjoyed Tekken. And nobody really was running offline events in New York City. And I refused to believe there was like nobody else in the city that played this game. So I said, I knew a guy who owned kind of a local arcade. And I said, you know what? I'll just do it myself. And and I had no idea what I was doing. I just said I made a little cheap little easy flyer and I was like, hey, running a bracket, $10 buy-in, 60-30, 10 top three split. It's here, it's at the, the iFix Machine Arcade. Come on through. And I remember the first two brackets, I random seeded them, which you're not supposed to do. I thought I was being fair. Um <laughs> not not the way to go, but uh you know, and it was all downhill from there. Tekken 7 blew up. The Tekken World Tour became a thing. We st- I hosted a 115-man local tournament, which was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, um, and it's it's then with the pandemic, we had to go all online. So, I mean, it really wasn't something we started being like, we need to do this as a business. We need to do this as an esport. It was more of, I want people to play with and... Nobody else was going to do it, so I stepped up. Interesting. So as you mentioned, you kind of created your NYC Tekken. So how did it kind of grow? Were there kind of you know any moments that kind of stand out to you that you kind of saw were taking a leap to the next level? So um, really, I think the biggest moment I noticed we were growing was when we started in that first year, two years, even the first year was just me at a little small dinky arcade, just kind of running small 15 people brackets. So I was mostly there because I wanted to play and they had all these other cabinets. So we could, you know, when we were playing tech and we could go play other games, it was great. And, um, eventually they closed about a year in, unfortunately, because the arcade business is just not what it used to be. Um, people aren't pumping in quarters. Most have like a pay per day rate, or if you're at like a, Dave and Buster's is a ticket space system. The the emphasis is on uh, spending money, getting tickets to try to get prizes. You know, it's a sunk cost sort of thing. And so they closed and we really were, and I was like, I honestly consider just stopping right then and there. Like, well, it was a fun ride. You know, I had a blast, whatever. But a lot of people had asked me like, hey, when's the next one? Are, are you going to move it somewhere? Is something, what are you doing to this? And so they were, I clearly saw there was some interest in this. And so I moved it to Next Level, which was right around the corner, a long time FGC venue. Um, and I've been there since doing our monthlies. We do other events outside of like Brooklyn and, and some other venues around the city. But that, that our regular monthly tournament we have there. And one of the biggest FGC streamers, uh, Spooky, picked up our we said i'll stream it for you just let me know no cost you know because that that was it was his bread and butter he got in return he got the vod he got the video which was fine i really wasn't interested in it i just wanted somewhere else i just wanted us to be able to play and have somewhere to do that um and spooky always brought a high level of production value and when we did that we immediately because uh, the space was bigger and next level's bigger. And now we had Spooky pushing for us. It became it went from like 15 player brackets to like 60. And and this was in due to one, we are at a bigger venue being pushed by a bigger name. And two, 
the launch of Street Fighter V, which is kind of the marquee fighting game, was not good. So a lot of people kind of jumped ship, and Tekken Eight was kind of, or Tekken Seven was there to kind of pick up the slack. You know, it had good production value. It was very casual friendly. It was a lot easier to play than some of the previous entries. You know, and so we kind of we doubled our regular entrance for that for 2019 to the point where in April when when they announced the dojo system for the Tekken World Tour, um, that it wasn't just the major tournaments that were going to be able to be a part of it. We were the first one, and we were st- and we were the largest non-major dojo event uh, with 115 players uh, that year. The only one that did better than us was Defend the North, which is a major. Amazing. So, you know, before we kind of touch on the dojo system, what's so unique about Tekken that, you know, the game playing, what kind of like drew you to it over some of the other titles? So Tekken wasn't actually my first fighting game. It was another 3D Bandai Namco game called Soul Calibur or Soul Edge when I got into it. Um, and it was it's more weapon based, more like eight way movement sort of thing. And the big thing for me for Tekken in particular was uh, unlike a lot of fighting games, which are very fast combo, you're linking things. Uh, Tekken, when you hit, like it feels impactful. Like there's there's weight behind those hits. There's big explosions. You know, you'll hear a crunch. You'll hear like a uh, like if you're fighting a robot character, you'll hear a metal donk sound when you like get a counter hit. You know, there's it's just it's everything's big. It's not as fast paced, but and for me as someone who's not that good, <laughs> that helps out a lot. But it, it it just it feels heavy. It feels weighty, and you know you're there's there's a minimal air game. You're not really encouraged to jump at all. Um, you you're more focused on defense, counter hits, applying good pressure, and it just it hits. It's very easy to watch and understand it as opposed to something like an anime fighting game with you know say a burst system or a shield system. You know Tekken is just hit the other person until they don't move. If you do a jab and they sidestep, it, it misses because it's a 3D game. You know, you can step into the background or the foreground. Um, but at the same time, you can do moves that check them by that, that are tracking that can check someone that's trying to sidestep. You know, think like vertical versus horizontal. And uh, I think that's really what drove me to it was it just, it feel like when you hit someone, it you feel it. And on top of that, that makes it very spectator friendly. Seven added a slow mo feature. If both characters are low in life and they both like swing at each other at the same time, the game slows down to let you like kind of think who's going to hit first. And it just, it's a great spectator game. And I think that's what got me in. And then the gameplay made me stick around. Amazing. So, you know, kind of let's touch on the, you know, the global tech and competitive scene and, you know, the TWT dojo system and kind of what does that mean for events like yours? So uh, the dojo system came around in the 2019 Tekken World Tour. And basically the original format was there were tiers of events, major tournaments in 2018, where winners, uh, top placers of each of these events got certain amounts of points for spending to what the level of event and where they placed. The dojo system uh, basically made it so that any local tournament non-major that's not on the list that wanted to participate could basically you could nominate one tournament a calendar month per organizer so our monthlies worked out perfectly for that um and based on how many entrants you got your winners will be allotted points and you basically get your top x amount of placings per tier 
So you, so your best four, so you could go to a bunch of dojos, a number of them, ranging from your your basic sixteen player, that's the minimum, to uh, a ninety six plus, which is the highest dojo you could have at the time, and you could participate in a number of them, and it takes your best four placements. Uh, your best four points out of whatever they were. So if you had two 96 pluses and two 32 pluses, you'd get, and then you had a 16. It would take the 232, the 296. But it gave a chance for locals like ours that had been growing steadily to highlight those local communities because not, uh, not, you couldn't always travel. Not everybody can travel to these majors. They're, it's expensive, you know, flights and hotels and registrations, you know. And it also encouraged non-locals to travel to those locals like that 2019 we had a player from korea we had arson ash come through um you know we had a lot of international talent come through and participate because of those points and it really opened up the whole world of it to participation it didn't kind of gatekeep with like oh you need to be a major tournament and have a previous relationship with the developer and the publisher in order to get uh, to participate to have some sort of recognition of it um was there a relationship did you have to kind of get you know through some vetting system that they made sure that you were like a real organizer so not particularly all you had to do, so the first time they did it, uh, it had it was only on uh, what is now Star GG, but Smash GG at the time. Uh, basically, when you made a tournament, uh, a Tekken 7 singles tournament um, on PC that was offline, you would get a little pop-up saying you're eligible for Dojo System. Uh, you can apply for it. And they the vetting usually took a day or two, but usually it was just to make sure it wasn't like an obvious someone's trying to scam the system. And I had already had kind of a previous relationship with the people that worked on that. So, you know, I, I had a direct line if I really needed it, but I never did it, a couple days. It was approved. And I know most people had a similar experience. Um, and even then they could, if you applied after the event, like you didn't know, they would still, they could post event, approve it. It was, it was never a big deal. Um, and I don't, and I don't think anyone, I think there would've been only one or two cases of any sort of like, abuse of it but other than that it was great it was perfect i think every local benefited from it because any local could then go well we're part of the dojo system so if you want points you can play here for them definitely i think that's a really unique approach that the you know the publisher is taking is kind of embracing the grassroots and realizing that they're not really gonna hurt your majors if anything it's gonna you know foster the community and get you know more you know a story of some dude who where he goes to all the dojos and wins and it's like that's someone you wanted a major if someone is like that story like that's a great story it creates a fantastic narrative um when you go into these majors because it creates this whole seasonal narrative because you're watching the leaderboards update as these dojos these not these majors that are not part uh, that are not officially on the tour uh you again, like you said, you see those players that are like, "Wow, they're kind of they're they're tearing up the dojo system." Like, they should try, you know, maybe someone. People got sponsored because of these. Like, it brought attention that they would not otherwise usually get. Um, and New York City Tekken's been fortunate that we built off of our success on that. But you know, it gave a lot of people a platform that they wouldn't have normally had otherwise. Amazing. So how can, you know, individuals start participating in your events and really kind of just getting involved in, you know, the Tekken and the fighting game community? So in, in the case of Tekken, um, it really is just a matter of 
reaching out like like if you live in new york obviously i have an open door like you could dm me you can email me we always need volunteers for whether it's for bracket running checking people in i have to because i kind of have to do everything myself and we've grown to the point where i really can't do that anymore so we always need volunteers um and especially as we start to go into Tekken 8, like right now I have a slew of PlayStation 4s that are basically loaners from East Coast Throwdown, a major that I partner with on a regular basis to, to basically help run my events. But when Tekken 8 comes out, they're not gonna, it's not going to be on PS4. It's going to be on PS5, and I cannot afford to buy eight PS5s to, have, to run tournaments. And while venues help by having some, um, we're going to need people that can like, bring their PlayStation with their game on. I usually waive their venue fee if they do that. We need people to check in. If they're not part of New York, find there's there's a lot of online resources to find your local TOs if they're if they have a community in your region. Um obviously, that doesn't always work like if you're out say in the Midwest and you're you're not really near any major population centers, you know, that can be tough. I understand that. Um there's a lot of communities online, a lot of online tournaments, you know, that you can reach out and there's nothing and for running a tournament, the overhead is low. You know, you can run an online tournament with nothing but a pen and paper if you really wanted to. Um, but there's StarGG is free. Challenge is free. You can make a bracket. You can have people sign up. You don't charge them anything. You don't do any money. You just run the bracket. You can do it in Discord. That's how we do our weeklies. You know, the overhead is low. And that's if you want to run a tournament. You can, you know, host uh, regular practice sessions for different skill levels. There's a lot of ways you can do it. Uh, you don't necessarily need to follow someone's lead. You can do it yourself. You know, most of the people in the community aren't doing this because it's 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 financially gainful. It's usually we're, we're almost always taking losses, almost constantly. I lose about two hundred dollars a month running what I do, but I don't do it for money. Like it was never about money. Um, which is why I had to laugh when, you know, you ask you about how'd you get in the business. I'm like, my business ain't is booming, but it ain't making money. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's really just about what do you want to do? You know, what, how involved do you want to be? Sometimes the best, if you're not sure, just talk to people, show it, come on, come through to a local, talk to me, talk to other players, hang out, have a good time. So showing, supporting your locals can be as simple as showing up. Or a retweet, or a or a, or a like, or a share share drop a sign up link in your Discord for something you see going on. Going, hey guys, you might like this. It can be as simple as that. It doesn't need to be fancy. Absolutely. So you know, kind of shifting. Obviously, you've been running events for a long time. So, what tips do you have for any individuals that are maybe trying to host their own local events, and you know, something you kind of knew when you started for you know hosting this stuff? I would say. See if there's a pre-existing like fighting game community, regardless of game, not just Tekken, but or anime fighter, Street Fighter, whatever. See if that community already exists, and don't be afraid to just talk to people. You know, I can't say everybody's a good actor, but most of the people I've met and worked with are are really just interested in in making the community better. And if they see someone's trying, like, hey, I see uh, this game's kind of underserved. You know, I kind of want to run a thing for it. Would you be down to to help run it? You know, that's as simple as starting it. Like, or I mean, not everybody gets to drive like me, where it's like I want to do this, so I'm going to make it happen. You know, start small, start it. it, it what I have found in the years I've been doing it is it's better to do something smaller to a higher level of quality than to try and do it all and it's all very mediocre. You know, focus on one game, one event, 
let's say once a month, I'm just picking an example here, you know, and just focus on doing that the best you can. And don't expect it to be perfect. It never will. There will always be something you wish you could have done better. Right. Isn't that the thing about, you know, putting on this stuff is always like, oh, I wish I had some more people or I wish that, you know, we had started a little bit earlier because it's going so late or constantly, constantly. (laughs) It's always a man. If I had extra hands, we could have done this. Or if I have even a modicum of budget, I could do this. Or if, you know, if if we started earlier, we could have fit in this. It's constantly a juggling act. Um, like this last year, we were very lucky that we had the support of Red Bull and it wasn't even a lot of money, but we are used to stretching limited funds. So we made, we, we did three whole invitationals flying people out on a very small budget, uh, which I took no money from. Um, in fact, I actually lost money on it in the end because uh, I had to pay for a few things out of pocket, which is the common story of, of the FGC. But yeah, like this, so it's a constantly a case of like, God, man, if we only had X. Well, it seems like you're getting in the right direction where maybe, you know, depending on how Tekken continues to grow, the dojo system might, you know, be even bigger and have more impact and thus everything around it grows. So what's your favorite part about working in the esports and gaming space? Well, I think my, my favorite part right now is just some of the people I've met. Like when I started doing my events, I thought it was just me that thought like this. That was like, yeah, I just want to do it because I want to play Tekken. And then I met a bunch of people like Casa and TSB and, and, and Zach and Walter of East Coast Throwdown. And, you know, and they, they all clicked with me pretty quickly. And, I was like, wow, I'm I'm not the only one like this. And I remember because <laughs> Bunch is probably going to kill me for telling the story. We were at Evo at like a, an after party. We'd finished Saturday. So basically my work was done because I was working Evo. And so was he. And uh, basically our day was done. So like tomorrow was finals. I only had to be there for my game. I could sleep in. I could take, it t- take my time now. I wasn't, you know, running 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. anymore. And, you know, event was, you know, done. And he's like, and he was, he's always like, listen, we gotta, we gotta clap. We gotta do something. We gotta, you know, we, New York city has like the best TOs. And to be fair, he's not wrong. We do have the best TOs. I will die on that Hill. Uh, <laughs> but he was like, we gotta do something. And he, I remember he goes, he's like, he's like, bro, New York city TOs are like the Avengers. We just, we're all really good. We just got to come together to make the super team. And that's what I keep saying about it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying about bringing the New York scene together. It's like everyone yeah. competing against each other. You're you're just fractur- <laughs> fracturing it. It's not how you win. Yeah, he, he, I mean, and most of us are like, yeah, it's just other one of bunches, you know, pep talks. He's always given to us. And it was funny because the flight back from Vegas, I was just, I have a notebook. I just scribble ideas in, and I have all these loose ideas, but you know, not all of them like fit together cohesively. And I remember I'm just scribbling. I'm just listening to music and. Like I had an epiphany, like I like my idea started clicking. Everything kind of the the jigsaw came together, and and you know, and I remembered what he had told me. He's like, "We got to do this. Like we're the Avengers. We got to get. We have. We got We've had our individual movies. We got to have the the team movie, and uh, you know, and we we've, we've been talking quite a bit. I can't talk too much about it, but you know, we have some exciting things that we, we we're really working hard on. Um, and they're entirely grassroots. There's, there's, it's not like, uh, a sponsor came to us about this. It's not like we saw an opportunity to make money. You know, it, it was, it's purely, 
uh, a labor of love and and I can't wait to like down the road, sh- you know, show off some of the stuff. Amazing. Well, that kind of like brings us to the next question and towards the end. So what does the future hold for NYC Tekken and kind of for you in the space? I don't know. <laughs> I usually don't think that far ahead because there's so many like parallel things running on. And this year was such a ride because we, we came out of, I don't say we came out of, but we offline came back. You know, I, you know, I worked Evo, I worked combo breaker. I, I did, I did more work this year for the FGC than I've ever done. Yeah, of course, while we had our monthlies, we introduced five aside, which was the regional exhibition stuff. New York city took on Philly, Atlanta, and Boston beat them all by the way. Um, and and we also introduced our. I would our, expect we, nothing less. Absolutely, absolutely. New York is too strong, but <laughs> but you know. And then it's funny because I'm getting down to the end of the year here, and I'm looking back, and, and I actually recently did like a like a we need to talk video where because because one of the things TOs at least organizations said to be is not very transparent, you know, and like for the recent Panda Global thing and all that stuff. So I've always put transparency in my forefront because i'm like look this is not a for-profit enterprise i'm not i hate taking donations i don't i i'm a per i personally feel that if you give me something you should get something in return um so like i prefer to get donations from twitch subs so you get emotes or merch so you get some clothing item or or a mug or something like I, i don't want you to just give me money i don't like that um so i i was thinking about this past year like the next level had to raise its venue for next uh, venue fee for next year. It's the first time it's done it in 12 years. Um, cause rents just getting too high inflation. Plus, you know, he had basically was closed for a year and a half, you know? And so when I look at the end of the year and I'm thinking about next year and I have all these ideas, like I'm probably going to Evo Japan. I'm going to be focusing on my content more. I'm trying to stream more frequently because for a while I was so busy that I, my personal channel kind of suffered because of it. Um, because I was just on the road all the time. I was traveling, I was on flights. And then when I get back, I have to work on my day job, you know? Um, but I think the big thing for the future, and I think not just for me, but for the New York city FGC as a whole is that I think, I think it's time for the Avengers movie. I really do. And, and the way the ball has been started rolling and, so is it like an Evo of different games or just one title? Like, what's the vision? Uh, I, I can't, I can't go into too much detail because a lot of it's in, in progress. Um, okay, so everyone make sure to be on the lookout because <laughs> there could be something great on the horizon. Yeah, no, it's it's it, if you if you believe in the Avengers, New York City has the best FGC scene in the world. If you believe in that vision, I think you're gonna love what we're working on because we're trying to do something different and unique and something very New York and and just something that's for the community uh, that I think everyone's gonna love. You know, uh, we try to be as you know we try to be as inclusive as possible. You know, nobody's perfect, but we do our best. Um, I've been told I have a very inclusive space, and you know, obviously the monthlies are gonna continue. The five asides, we absolutely want to get continue them it's going to depend on funding because those are expensive to run and i can't afford them without a sponsor um we're going to be having more of our offline sessions we're going to be having more uh uh, obviously we're going to try to return to our holiday party format where we do a lot of weird offshoot tech and stuff i did a tech in advance for the game boy advance tournament that was fun (laughs) Uh, most people don't know that game exists but it's a real game um but there are some bigger projects in the work. Uh, you'll find me at Evo Japan this year. You'll see me in some other countries for some other things we have we're working on. Um, 
you know, I, I'm going to try to get to every major I can get to. There's so many people I want to see again. There's so many places I want to go. Um, but unfortunately, my day job only gives me so much time off, so I have to budget wisely. Uh, but there's there's definitely more. The usual stuff's going to come back, and there's going to be a whole lot of new things we want to do. Amazing. So everyone make sure to be on the lookout for that. And I'm, I'm excited being a New York guy to kind of attend and support and see what we can do here. So, you know, I try to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? Favorite game to watch. That's tough. Um, you know, does it have to be any one specific game? No, you can be a few. Um, so, so, well, it's more of a, it's more of a, uh, a genre thing. I have very little free time anymore. So, the one game, the games I like to watch are uh, single player narratives, you know, stuff like The Last of Us or Dead Space and things like that that have long kind of single player campaigns because I love playing them, but I just don't have the time anymore because I'm so busy. Um, so when someone streams them, uh, like my friend Silk has been doing the entire Yakuza series and it's only a couple of us in there. It's all of it, basically me, him and some of the friends. And of course we're just talking smack to him when he makes mistakes and stuff. That's probably some of my favorite streams. He's my second most watched like streamer this year. And the Twitch recap, uh, just because, you know, it lets me kind of get the experience of playing it while I can do other things as well. So to watch, uh, those are probably my favorite. Like I like watching like majors and tournaments and stuff, you know, but if, if I'm like picking, but that's more just like to keep up with the scene, you know, I much prefer to attend them because to me, the FGC is mostly important is about the community aspect, but to watch is definitely like first per, like for player, like single player narrative games. Amazing. So what's your favorite game to play? Um, anything from EA skate series. Okay, and you know, who's your favorite video game character? Oh, that's that's another tough one. Or favorite Tekken character? You know, I mean, I know my favorite Tekken character, but I don't know if he's my favorite like character of all. Like, period. Um, because I'm I'm a Horang main. He's been in there since Tekken Three. Um, he's who I play right now. Um, among other characters, I play a bunch of characters, but he's kind of like my, my go-to, my favorite character to play. Because uh, I'm a sucker for Taekwondo fighting game characters. But if I had to pick a favorite character... You know what? I know exactly my favorite characters. And it's going to be really weird. It's um, Ricky Winterborn from the original 1080 Snowboarding. I'm definitely a fan of that game. I, You know, that was an amazing one on N64. Definitely enjoyed that I, I love that game so much. I have two copies. One I stole from a Blockbuster when I was like 10. Nice. It's like the memento that you have. It's got the big Blockbuster sticker on the back and everything. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that Blockbuster is out of business now. I don't think they're coming for me. I think I'm clear. <laughs> Amazing. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was, you know, extremely insightful. And it's awesome, all the stuff you do for the community here. So I just want to thank you from all of them. Uh, as we all, you know, hear, it's really not that lucrative, especially on, you know, the most grassroots level. So it's awesome to see your passion and enthusiasm. So everybody where they can find you and, you know, see what you're doing with NYC Tekken. So yeah, if you want to find me personally, uh, I stream, I have a regular schedule, stream schedule on my Twitter. I stream at twitch.tv slash Helst. I do a number of games. I'm currently running a Majora's Mask, all masks run on original hardware. I got an HDMI modded N64. Um, and you can find my stream schedule at twitter.com slash Helst NYC, because you know I got a rep where I live. And uh, if you want to hear about the tech and stuff I do, which you'll find a lot of that on 
twitter.com slash NYC Tekken, and of course at twitch.tv slash NYC Tekken as well. Awesome. So everyone, make sure you go follow, check out some of the merch. I might have to get something myself. And, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q. Check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.